an ironic media production. Visit us at ironickmedia.com. All right. On the podcast today, I have Jen Rassiopi, and she is here to tell us what to expect in the new year, as well as help us make sense of what has happened in this past year and what we're going to be doing moving forward for the you know years to come. Jen also is going to share about her new book coming out on January 12, 2021, where she shares her unique perspective on astrology, positive psychology, and integrative medicine. Jen's health tips have been featured in MindBodyGreen, Reebok.com, The Numinous, and Cosmopolitan Magazine. For the last two years, she's been a fan favorite at Well and Good Magazine for the column Cosmic Health. Jennifer is the resident astrologer for Kate Northrup's membership site, Origin. And for the past five years, she has taught at Soul Camp. I am so excited to introduce you to Jen Rassiopi. Let's get started. Welcome to the Affiliate Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stark. In this podcast, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing, and transformation. I'll teach you how to shift your mindset, conquer your fears, and become the best version of you. You'll get to witness healings as well as hear from my mentors, teachers, and about the extraordinary journey I've been on for the last 14 years. My connection with energy is so strong and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. All right, I'm here with Jennifer Rassiopi and she is going to tell us about the new year and about what to expect astrologically speaking. And she has an awesome new book coming out called Cosmic Health, which I'm so excited to read. I've already pre-ordered it comes out January 12, 2021. I'm friends with Jen. So I've kind of heard a lot of this, you know, I've had the inside scoop basically on astrologically what to expect. So thank you for that, by the way. My pleasure. Here Uh, for it. Yeah, right. I know. And, you know, she's going to help us to understand what's to come in the new year, which is a little bit scary. And I'm a little bit nervous to hear this because I actually have not heard this yet. The other thing I wanted everybody to know is that she has this lunar logic ebook on her website that I just looked at. And it is so accurate. It's so funny. It says for me, because I'm a Gemini, that I'm a networker, writer, and teacher. I feel like that is a podcaster, basically. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, yes, right on. And then um, there was some more cool information like that I found very accurate. So anyway, check that out. It's on her website and it's her ebook, Lunar Logic. But anyway, Jen, thank you for being on the podcast. Please tell us what can we expect in the new year, but also kind of like give us, you know, maybe make us feel better that everything has happened for a reason or something that it was all in the stars that we should have known. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for having me here. And I say, oh, God, because like, yeah, it was in the stars. And yeah, should we have known? You know what I mean? Like, should, what, what should we have known? I, you know, as an astrologer, work with cosmic cycles as a way to understand where we're going and reflect on where we've been and make conscious choices for the here and now. And I'm always thinking about the Siren Kierkegaard quote, which is essentially, we live life forward and we understand it backwards. And so going into 2020, there was no astrologer worth their weight that didn't predict that 2020 was going to be a paradigm shifting game changing year full of challenges and collapses. It was a year when everybody was going to go through something. 
But no one said like there was going to be a global pandemic that shut down the world, right? Because like we just didn't. No one said that. Um, Even though, you know, going into the new year, certainly COVID was brewing in China and there was a there was an awareness of it. I don't know if I even looking back would have said that COVID would have become as big as a, of a deal as it did become. I have questions as to why COVID became such a big deal in terms of leadership and intervention. And I, I see it much more integrated than just like astrological transits alone. But here's the deal we know about astrology. It's like the weather forecast. And so when certain confluences intersect at certain times and there's a planetary corollary that can make them really big and dramatic, that's what happens. So in this particular year, we had a pandemic. We had the most intense astrological transits in this intersection where it became this year. Now, 2020 was always going to be a year about tearing down the old, and building the new and rebuilding, not even building. It's like a year that's tearing down the old and preparing for the preparation of the rebuild. And I just heard a Taylor Swift quote. <laughs> Where are my Swifties at? <laughs> <laughs> you know, she did that's this awesome. Disney, Disney video to talk about her, her album Folklore, which I loved. Haven't seen it. It just came out, but I was watching the trailer and there was a quote that really stood out, which is like, if we were going... I'm going to butcher it, but essentially like if we're going to tear down everything, we might as well rebuild it based on what we love. Right. Right. Like totally. If everything's going to get torn to shreds, then we might as well prioritize what brings us the most joy as the primary focus. And I was like, well, there she has it. She just summed up pages of complicated astrological transits and like a trailer for a Disney movie around like an album that was created in isolation and went viral. And that can kind of be, you know, the metaphor. It's like, even if we look at that album, which had no no plans of talking about it, but like this album was born out of isolation and totally a deviation from where she had been as an artist. You know, like she's really known for her almost like bombastic-ish pop, you know, having bridge country into like pure pop and then went down this path of, more folk, indie, I wouldn't say experimental, but more rootsy. That's probably not the technical word, but for me, it's like going back to the roots of, of American music. And so that like emergence even is sort of where we're at astrologically. So the astrological transits of this year were such that Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto were all in Capricorn. Saturn takes about two and a half years to move through a sign. Pluto has a bit more erratic, less consistent orbital path but he's been in Capricorn for some time and will be in Capricorn for a few more years. And Jupiter moves through a sign, essentially one sign per year. And this year, 2020, was this year that Jupiter, the biggest planet in the solar system, conjoined Saturn and Pluto in Capricorn. Saturn and Pluto had a conjunction in January 2020. And then by March, Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto were all in very close orb to one another in Capricorn, when Mars, the planet of activation, rolled through the stellium and sort of set it ablaze. And in the U.S., that's obviously when COVID took off like wildfire. And then Jupiter and Pluto had three conjunctions throughout the course of the year. The first one was April 4th, and Jupiter, the biggest planet in the solar system, conjoining the planet that rules the underworld and the death-rebirth cycle, is when we saw 
a blossoming of even more cases. They conjoined a second time in the end of June and then a third time much more recently. Yeah. (laughs) Seems like that. Yeah, exactly. So we've been in this Jupiter-Pluto cycle. We've been in a Jupiter-Saturn cycle. We've been in a Jupiter-Pluto-Saturn cycle. We also in 2020 had a Venus retrograde, which happens every 18 months. So not every year in June during eclipse season, (laughs) while then right after Mercury went retrograde. And then we had a Mars retrograde from September 9th through early November. And Mars goes retrograde once every two years. So Venus going retrograde, which is like our values, we look at our values, our ability to love, love others, happens, like I said, once every year and a half. And then Mars is our passion, our vitality, how we activate our energy, our dynamic energy. The sun is technically our vitality. Anyway, I don't want to get into an astrological lesson, but suffice it to say Mars going retrograde is, you know, can bring things up like depression and lack of ability to move forward. And Mars has been in Aries for a very long time, a historically long period of time. So we have these really interesting dynamic transits that happened this year that were always going to be a big deal and they're not done right? We're still in them. As the time this podcast goes live, we are in eclipse season. So our first of two eclipses is November 30th. Our second one is December 14th. And then Jupiter and Saturn both leave Capricorn around December 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th, around that time. And they conjoin at zero degrees of Aquarius at the December solstice. So winter in the Northern hemisphere, summer in the Southern hemisphere. And this is a really curious conjunction, Jupiter, good luck, good fortune, abundance, expansion, Saturn, discipline, structure. The two of them are our social consciousness planets moving into fixed air Aquarius, which is the sign of the collective humanitarian ideals, radicality, you know, like making things different. Aquarius doesn't always like to upturn tradition because Sometimes tradition works and tradition works well. And Aquarius isn't about change for change's sake. But if tradition is outdated and being held to for the wrong reasons, you know, it's going to get <laughs> shaken up. So it does, so this is all seeming to coincide with that like solar flash that everybody's talking about on December 21st. What's the solar flash? I don't know about this. Oh, okay. So there's a solar flash that's supposed to happen on the winter solstice. It's just supposed to be like a large flash of light that's going to hit the planet based on something. I don't know. I, I don't really follow it too much, but I've heard a, a lot of people talking about it. And Is it physics or is it like... Yeah. Like, no, I think it's more based on physics than it is, cool. you know, woo-woo stuff. But I think there is an element of woo. And the weird thing is, is from all the way back in March, people would ask me, what do you think is going to happen? I said, I'm not allowed to see past December, middle of December. So it was like kind of like December 20th, I would say a few days before that. So because, you know, you don't get real exact dates, at least I don't. There was just like a bright light and I couldn't see past it. But I felt peace. So I was like, either we're all dead or uh, we all figure it out. <laughs> so newsflash, we're not dying. <laughs> I didn't think so because they 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 totally told me to offer a plan in 2021. So death, death not dying. <laughs> and what is happening astrologically speaking is we're moving, it's called a grand con- a, a great conjunction grand mutation. And so we're moving from a period that's been predominantly about earth into a cycle that's about air. And so 
It is a turning point of the ages, if you will, where we're really coming full speed. Not I, I personally don't consider it the age of Aquarius. It's debatable when the age of Aquarius begins. I'm more traditional around that. Some say we're already in it. Some say this is like, you know, the summer solstice 2020 kicked us into it. I don't know. I'm not going to go there. But we are definitely moving into a time where Jupiter and Saturn will be in Aquarius. And this is their first conjunction in Aquarius. This conjunction, I shouldn't say their first, but this is their first of the cycle in Aquarius. It ends a 200-year cycle, arguably an 800-year cycle, and commences a new beginning around humanitarian collective health values. So we're moving Mm. out of a time that's been the me, 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 my, 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 mind, personal success, the one who gets all the toys wins into a period that is about creative collective evolution in the name of humanitarian values, where it's less about capitalism as we've known it and more about how are we as a society going to cope with the the numerous societal issues as a team. And that is a paradigm shifting rip roaring change that I personally think that a pandemic has taught us to not take this lightly. You know, like if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that everything can disappear in the blink of an eye. And at the end of the day, all we have left are our relationships. Hmm. And even in this time where we're so distant and not hugging, not gathering, not traveling, not celebrating, I don't know if I've ever felt more connected. And I know that that is connected to myself, connected to my people. And I know that that's not unique, right? And I know that I've never been more vulnerable in my need for connection. 2020 has been this grand assist into 2021, which is a brand new paradigm, essentially, with its own wrath. So any questions about what I just said before I talk about where we're going? Holy moly. So I'm a little concerned (laughs) (laughs) because you said... You said that we're going into the first conjunction of Aquarius coming up. Well, so you- yeah, of this cycle. It's the first Jupiter-Saturn conjoining yeah. in Aquarius. It's happening at zero degrees of Aquarius on December solstice. Yes. Right. So that already sounds like something major is going to happen then. But you, you're alluding to maybe there's more of those. <laughs> so that makes me wonder what 21. Is that why you're 21? scared? Because yeah. I think it's really important to just like name fear and be like, oh, this is different. You know, the thing is, is I, I, I've already figured out that I'll be fine throughout all this. Like I will be able to get through it. It's kind of like, oh gosh, all right, I'm buckling up, you know, that kind of feeling. Yeah. yeah, But I want to also just say something else. This isn't scary. This is actually, and I, and maybe it is like, you know, we're all having our own emotional reaction. So like I, everyone's entitled to their emotions. I'm not, so not patrolling emotions (laughs) at all. And I would be not doing my job well if I didn't say that this was extremely exciting and super hopeful and something people we've been looking forward to for a very long time. It's an auspicious conjunction. And yeah, at that time, Mars squares Pluto and that's a little scary. And there's Jupiter's going to square Saturn. I mean, Uranus and Saturn are going to square all throughout 2021. And that has there, there's things to be scared of inherent in that, but this isn't scary. This is timely. It's important. It's an evolutionary leap that our planet requires us to make. Our egos have plenty of reason to be scared because it's different, but our souls are so ready for this jump. I think our souls have been ready for this jump for 
it's the whole reason I think our souls are here now is to make this jump. Mm -hmm. And I think that we've all been doing this work for so long that, hey, look, there's only so long we can like hang out on our yoga mat and namaste to ourselves and nod to our neighbors and like take have our health and wellness practices be about soothing and healing ourselves right? Like at some point it has to become transpersonal in that we're engaging the divinity and, and transcommunal in that we're not just doing things to make ourselves feel more comfortable. We're doing things to work in unity with our fellow humans and this planet to fucking save it Mm. because things have been pushed to the past the point of okay and the only way we get out of this is if we come together collectively and find new ways to negotiate value, worth, wealth, work dynamics. I don't even know. It's all up for renegotiation. Does that yeah. make sense? Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a big believer of actually throwing all of what I call the balls in the air and then just waiting for them to come down at the right time so you can kind of formulate what you want, like Taylor Swift said, you know, like make it what you love to do, you know, Mm -hmm, the relationships, mm -hmm. the job, the location of where you live, you know, everything. I like to, to start with a clean slate and then move forward, you know, in, in, in a very intentional way. Yeah. And I think that that's what's happening. It's like there, all the balls have been thrown up in the air and the cosmic curriculum is like, sure, rearrange them around what you most love. And there will be nothing to rearrange around if we don't prioritize and center the parts of the shadow, the things that have gotten pushed into the shadow. So mm. for how many hundreds of years, when trees go down, the GDP goes up, right? Like when there's environmental devastation, it's a win for the economy. So it makes it look like we're doing, we're winning, right? Or mm-hmm. like marginalized voices, oppressed populations, their voices not really having enough of an inf- influence on heteronormative patriarchal power. And I think that where we're going is, you know, is it from the Bible? The meek shall inherit the world. Like we are going into the paradigm where we can't push those things into the shadows anymore. And here's the deal it's like Aquarius is about liberation. So we're moving into a liberatory paradigm, a liberatory paradigm. And so liberation can only exist if there's an oppressor or if there's oppression. Actually, her Trudy, Trudy LeBron, she sent an email out about that one time and I was like, I'm still gnawing on it in my brain. It was like that rich. But we're moving into a time where it's like liberatory, liberation life, like life in the name of liberation is, is what it's all about. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of demons to slay. There's a lot of dragons in the shadows in order for us all to be free, you know, whatever free means. I don't know who said this exactly, but I was, I'm in the astrology hub as the inner circle leader this month. So I've been tuning into more of their content and Amanda Poole Walsh does these amazing interviews and she was interviewing someone, I'm forgetting who, oh, it might've been this astrologer that I just learned about Divine Harmony, whom, which was amazing, worthy of a, of a checkout and a follow. But something along the lines of like, we're in the birth canal right now. Oh yeah. 
And, and then Amanda said something along the lines. And if anyone's ever had a baby, we all know what happens the first year after a baby's born. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's hard. (laughs) So it's like, we're in the birth canal. And then, then we got to tend to this like newborn. So 2021, here's the scary part. Saturn and Uranus square. Saturn's going to be in Aquarius. Uranus is in Taurus has been in Taurus, will be in Taurus for a few more years. And their square is a fixed square. Uranus is in fixed earth, which is like earth, right? It's solid foundation, structures, routine. Saturn's in a sign that he, you know, does well in, in Aquarius, but he's, he's, really looking at how we can be more inventive, more revolutionary, preserve what's working, let go of what's not. And Saturn in a square to Uranus, which happens three times next year through, it's going to dominate the whole year is going to be a time where like the old is going to grip to the old and the emergent path is going to have to fight really hard to be heard. And I, you know, I think we'll see this with geophysical dynamics of earth, like, you know, like, just calamity around earth, but we've been in this for so long. I mean, hurricanes, fires, earthquakes, certainly no stranger to where we've recently been. Mm-hmm. I think that we'll see in the U S the divide amongst the majorities in argument with one another, you know, certainly we'll see that in the Senate, you know, certainly we'll see it in the places where it's going to be really, really, really close. But I think we're going to see it societally, given how absolutely polarized American politics have become. And I think that COVID in terms of isolation, it's going to go on for a little bit longer. Think about it. Jupiter is an air, Jupiter's moving into an air sign. Jupiter expands whatever he touches. This is an airborne disease. And I think it's going to be a minute before we figure out how to safely be with each other again. So it's almost like we're moving in the direction of like liberation with a capital L. But before we get there, we're going to see all the shadows of control Mm. and the limitations of our past structures, the fear of letting go of what's been driving sometimes benign, sometimes malignant leadership policies and or interpersonal dynamics. And I think the opportunity is, is to just affirm, like, I know that's why I'm here right now. I know that that's what this life has been entirely about. You know, like I remember, so I'm in my early forties. I was in college in my late nineties and I wanted to take this like advanced poetry course with this like renowned, like Nobel laureate professor as a freshman that like no, no freshman we're supposed to be in. And he wanted to see my material to like, let me in. And I wrote him this poem about 2020. (laughs) No way. (laughs) I did. I wrote a poem about 2020 and it was like, I wish I could find it. It was like, you know, somewhere on a floppy disk, you know, I don't know. I don't even know how I would access it. It was basically, I remember writing the poem and it wasn't like a good poem. Like it was, it wasn't like a, like a well, you know, a measured poem, like the beat wasn't like, whatever. It just wasn't, it didn't hold up to academic standards. Let's leave it there. But it was like about like how the world's on fire and we need to share essentially. And it was like, hmm. it was a poem about 2020. 
And it just was like my truth. Like, this is where we're moving to. We're moving to this like time where everything's going to be like crazy hard and we need to like let go of things and learn how to be together and recalibrate. And like, I totally forgot I wrote that poem. But anyway, he was like, you have an interesting mind. You can join the class. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, let me in. So it got me in the class I wanted to be in. So that was cool. But yeah, I mean, I just know that like personally, we've been so in the wellness world, in alternative health been so focused on evolution for so long. It's like, we got to walk that path now. What do you think? What comes up for you around all this? Oh, so much. The old has to come down. It's not working. It hasn't been working. I I have appreciated, so we call it pandemic positives. There's less commuting. There's less, you know, garbage consumption in terms of like things that are just disposable. And for instance, like I just, instead of ordering new goals, soccer goals uh, from me and my son, I built uh, something out of the wood that I had laying around instead of ordering yet another thing on Amazon. And I think that that's really where we're moving to is just kind of like depending on our own resources and learning skills that we didn't really have before. Like 2020, I learned how to build a really good fire. Didn't really know how to do that. I thought I did, but I didn't. <laughs> you know, and I think that moving forward, it's there's a larger scale of that happening. You know, people are reassessing like, I'm hoping that finally wellness will be talked about in a more regular manner because it's been so disease focused right now and 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 not so much prevention. And then I think we're moving to- more towards uh, empowerment and wellness. So now that I've seen it, obviously 2020 is hindsight is 2020. You know, it, obviously this stuff wasn't working for us. And I think the first time that we saw that was really when Trump was elected and everybody got really upset. Like we started seeing things coming out for the shadows coming out and things that we hadn't seen before happening. And I think we were kind of gearing up for 2020. And then now we have this mess that we're in and now we got to make good on it. You know, we have to build and we have the choice of how to build. Yeah. We have the choice of how to build. Hindsight is 2020. I think that we'll be saying that a lot in the future around what we learned in 2020. Yeah. I mean, the Trump thing's interesting because as upset as everyone was, it felt like everyone was in 2016. 2020 brought to my attention how much he was loved, you know, how not upset people were and how much they wanted to keep him. So we don't need to unpack that here, but that's just mind blowing to me. Yeah. The future is radical. The future is radical. That's all I can say. It's going to take us a long time to land in it because we're in the in-between. The opening story in my book is like the story of chaos as the mythological archetypal character that precedes all creation. And we're in chaos and chaos is extremely productive and necessary. It's liminality. The definition is, is between two different states, like in between. Nancy Levin has a beautiful way of saying it around being, I'm going to botch her quote, but something like between no longer and not yet. And like, that's where we're at. I think a lot of 2021 is going to be a lot of liminality where we haven't quite landed yet. And we're in this perpetual chaos and disruption, but the future, the future is awesome and radical. So long as we don't disconnect from our bodies disconnect from our hearts, disconnect from our humanity, and disconnect from earth. So long as we stay human, stay humans with a body, primarily humans in a body, and leverage mind and technology as a way to problem solve and connect with earth being a non-negotiable primary value, we're good. 
is our economy ready for that? Is our, our leaders capable of taking us there? And when I say leaders, I mean our elected leaders in office. And can we as a constituent hold them accountable for that? And can we as a constituency be aligned enough with each other where we're going to step up? And one quote I keep on my phone and I forget who said says it, but it's basically speaking to people with privilege, you know, able-bodied people, uh, people with um, race privilege, economic privilege, whatever privilege you have to own it. And the quote is, don't be the gatekeeper, be the key, right? And it's like, we're done with the age of gatekeepers. We need everyone who can be the key to open a door for someone with less privilege and or access to just be the key, right? Like to just Mm -hmm. open the door. And I think that that is a pretty radical shift for where we've been individually, collectively, where we've been entrained to be. There's so much implicit bias I know because it's in me, you know, these are things I reflect on and work on deconstructing. So I can't be that different from everybody else. So if I'm walking around with my own shadows to constantly look at and denounce and amend and repair, we all got to be some way, shape or form, especially people with privilege. And I think that's really the real work. Anyway, that's my thought. I love it. That's a lot of good stuff. I'm I'm <laughs> glad that you said that we're moving towards better stuff in the future and that, you know, as long as we keep the earth in mind and use our mind and technology to advance and connect, I, I believe that also, yeah, is really going to help us in the future. Problem I mean, solved. Yeah. And, and be embodied. You know, we can't just be like, we have to actually be in our bodies. It's a challenge. Right. Well, and I think that's what the pandemic was for, was to help us slow down and actually get back into our bodies and be like, where am I at? What's Mm. going on? How do I feel? You know, how do I keep myself safe? How do I keep my family safe? How do I connect with others safely? Do I need to connect with others? (laughs) You know, a lot of introverts, uh, I've been like, all right, enough is enough. I actually need to go out now and see people now, even like the, the real introverted people. So, you know, I think we're all here to connect. And that's the one thing that I know for sure about health and wellness is that we do need to connect. And fortunately, we're looking at other various ways of doing that. I mean, I, I, I'm all for it. I'm, a, I'm like into futuristic thinking. I'm like really, really, really excited to be here now. Um, this has been painful and absolutely wild for so many reasons. And certainly so much to grieve. And I'm deeply, deeply, deeply in the grieving process in many areas in my life. So I'm by no means spiritually bypassing. I just know full body that where we're heading is so much better than where we've been, but we've got a lot of shadows to clear. Yeah. It's the collective dark night. Speaking of which. (laughs) It is the collective dark night. Yeah. Do you have a dark night? Sure. Of course. I mean, I, I feel like I've been going through a dark night this year in many ways in the middle of birthing a huge creative process, a project like a book. So that's been interesting to be in like these one like blossoming and another phase dying. But all of my work comes out of a dark night because I had cancer when I was 18 and was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and then endometrial cancer shortly thereafter and was given a radical hysterectomy before I turned 19, which launched me into menopause before I had turned 20 which means that I leapfrogged all of my reproductive years while being 
you know, still a teen in a teenage body and landed without any ovaries or uterus before I turned 20 and then had to live the last 22 years without ovaries or uterus in my prime childbearing years. So, uh, you know, I went through a deep dark night after that, that was medically induced due to um, panic and anxiety and trauma, frankly. And I would say my early twenties were about crawling out of that. And then, you know, life is cyclical and healing is cyclical. So as my life has cycled forward, I've gone through numerous dark nights around infertility, really just coming to terms with the fact that my body can't procreate life what that means for me as a woman, it was deeply intense in my thirties. And then also the comorbidities around illness and disease. So it's not like I just had cancer and it was gone. It's like I had cancer, was launched into menopause, had to learn to live without ovaries and uterus, which is how I got into following the phases of the moon because the moon's phases mirror the female reproductive phases, which was my segue into astrology as a whole. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. But yeah, like I was diagnosed with advanced osteoporosis in in my mid-30s, which is basically a disease for much older women than in my 30s. And just, you know, I navigate my life with a lot of chronic illness that stems from my cancer. So I'm I'm never too far away from a dark night, honestly. I mean, I say that with like love, you know, it's like it's just kind of where I'm at. And it's like you can tell. It's just uh, sort of the the assignment I signed on for this life. So, yeah, but all my cancer stories, how I found astrology, because astrology was one of the only things that helped me really make sense. Once I got trauma therapy, trauma therapy was really important in some basic like nutrition, diet, exercise. But as a life path, astrology was the only thing that really, A, helped me recalibrate the internal rhythms that guided my life and B, gave me something that made sense of where I was and where I was going. I know that astrology can actually even predict something such as that. Did you find that in your chart? No. Okay. No. I I mean, there are things in my chart that have the signature of like a castrated woman for sure. But no, I mean, I've gone every which way till Tuesday looking at transits. Like what could have started to cause this? It's more like a karmic thing, you know, like they're the signatures were in my chart, but the, the actual catalytic, what would have been the predictive event that set it off is pretty much lacking in my chart. I mean, there are things like you can always back, you can always backpedal into astrology. You can always be like, well, at that time this happened. So I could, I could back into it and be like, of course, that's when my Chiron was here. And you know, there's, there's certainly it's been backed into, I've had my chart studied, I've studied it. There's a lot of ways to explain it. I don't think that astrology is really meant to diagnose and predict disease. I think astrology is- I meant more like major life events. Yeah, but even that, like it just wasn't that clear in my chart. I just think like the signature of who I am was always in my chart and this was always embedded in that signature. But in terms of using astrology as a predictive tool for timing and that sort of thing, listen, I, I love astrology for predictive reasons. I use it predictively all the time. I've come to learn it has its limits unless of course we want to really force things because you can always say like that was that and this is this, but I don't know. That's just my take on it. So that's, that's all interesting. I'm, I'm glad to hear that, you know, it wasn't necessarily in your charts because it is a little alarming hearing <laughs> something like that could be lurking in your chart and you don't know about it. However, yeah, a lot of the times it's usually when you go backpedaling and you look through and you're like, well, that makes sense for this. And that makes sense for that. So 
speaking of which, I wanted to ask you about the science of astrology. So like, where does it actually come from? Like, how is it that there is this science? How much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) You can just tell me in two minutes or less. (laughs) In two minutes or less. Basically, astrology has been around since the times of Babylonia or thousands and thousands of years. Astrology predates most religion. Astrology and astronomy were once one, right? And astrology was astronomy, essentially. Astrology is basically the science of the Earth's daily rotation on its axis, its yearly orbit around the sun, the moon's orbital rotation around Earth, put in the backdrop of all the other planets' um, revolution around the sun seen through our lens of of being here on planet Earth. So astrology, the type of astrology I practice is tropical meaning it's based on the tropical zodiac. The tropical zodiac is based on the signs and the signs and constellations don't align exactly anymore because of axial progression procession. But at one point they aligned more. And so these tropical didn't really mean much because it didn't, it wasn't quite that. The geocentric astrology that we use now seen through the lens of tropical, the tropical zodiac is just essentially like life cycles based on where the sun, the moon, and the planets are. It is the most common sense, basic shit we could do. And our biorhythms, our biological rhythms are deeply entrenched in the daily, the earth's daily rotation on its axis. Hello, night and day circadian rhythm, the seasonal rhythm living in sync with the seasons. That's essentially what the tropical zodiac is. And then the lunar rhythms is the circle, circle lunar, circle monthly rhythm that we know for a fact exists in fish and plants and some animals um, endogenously, meaning it's as endogenous to how they operate as the circadian rhythm is to humans. We don't have enough research to know if humans have an endogenous circle lunar clock. Hmm. Um, it's curious. We may. We are certainly anecdotally influenced by the phases of the moon. We know many animals are undeniably influence and evolve to function in harmony with the phases of the moon, plants and animals. And we live on an earth that is highly entrained to the moon's orbital rotation. So this is just basic stuff. And then the signs and the archetypes and all that has, has evolved. You know, there's been huge advances in astrology over periods of time where like modern thinkers have pushed things to their limits, like Jung um, was really into astrology and Dane Rudier and, you know, these deep thinkers. But essentially, like if we look like to Hellenistic astrology and or astrological roots, it's all there. You know, it's all there. It's been around for a very long time. It's to the point it works. The Age of Enlightenment did astrology no favors. I think a lot of it has to do with the papal power and the rise of church in general, as well as cis-hetero patriarchy that has ruled for so long. And I think one of the big turning points that we're at right now with the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction at zero degrees of Aquarius is that those sorts of like power dynamics or power schematas, I don't even know what to say, like dominant sociocultural norms are all shifting. And with it, I think that's why we're seeing such a rebirth of astrology in the mainstream. You know, I had myself have a major book coming out with Mm. Little Brown, like the oldest publisher in New York. It's been around since the 1800s, you know, like one of the most prestigious publishers. And they were so excited. They fought for my book via auction. And they've been a, a joy to work with, Little Brown Spark, which is their wellness imprint. You know, I think that this is just emblematic of the turning of the times and the fact that astrology has persevered because it works 
it's been around for forever because it works. And, you know, we wouldn't still be talking about it if it didn't. Period. I say that about Chinese medicine. Yeah. <laughs> it's been around for 5,000 years and you're just like, all right, there's something there. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Ayurveda. Yeah. You know, these yeah. things, th and they're also seasonally rooted. They're looking at the energy patterns in the body as they correlate with, you know, all astrology is, is a study of, it's a, it's an exploration of correlations. So what's happening here on earth is somehow reflected to other things happening in the sky and it's finding the correlations, you know, I mean, really, I think of it as like these basic rhythms of the sun, earth, and moon, and then layered in with the planetary cycles seen through an archetypal lens. And that's how I, how I look at astrology. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's really cool. It's that we have this feedback loop between us and the stars and giving us information. So, yeah. okay. So speaking of which cosmically, you have a book called cosmic health, like what sparked this idea to write this book? Because it's not easy to sit down and write a book. I know that you, this has been a long process. It's been very arduous and, you know, you're extremely talented at conveying all this information. So like how, what was the reason for calling it cosmic health? And, you know, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, you know, cause you, you do astrology and you also focus on health. So please tell us more about that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I'm like super pumped. So cosmic health, was actually something that was asked of me, not something I personally created on my own in terms of like just downloaded the idea. It came in, the, in by way of a publisher wanting to have a meeting with me to discuss me writing a book on astrology and health. Like that was basically, that was the invitation. So I took the meeting and I was like, oh, this is interesting. And they, you know, I think that they were looking for more like a, a smoothie for your sun sign book or like, strict medical astrology book. And I'm like, that wasn't what I do, you know, but I was like, this is what I do. You know, like I take integrative wellness blended with positive psychology and, and put it through the lens of astrology. And so I basically got the call for a publisher who was interested in me writing a proposal for them. That proposal did not work out around the same time I cosmic health, like I purely downloaded cosmic health in terms of like, this is it. This is my brand message. This is my work. This is my body of work. I got a column writing with well and good around the same time that I got invited to submit that initial proposal. It was like, can we call it cosmic health? And they're like, yeah, that's awesome. So well and good gave me a, a column called cosmic health. And I started writing weekly. I've been writing weekly for them for three years and then Cosmic Health came to me as the title for the book proposal I wanted to submit, which my agent at that time wasn't down with. She's like, that's not your title. So I was like, all right. And I like had this whole like clear knowing that it was, I don't know. So anyway, then that book proposal didn't work out. So basically I backed out of that book deal or book backed out of that potential book deal because it wasn't going where I wanted to go. And I got a new agent. I wrote the proposal for Cosmic Health as it's currently written. My agent loved it. It did really well when we took it out to shop. Like I said, it had an auction. And then I had to sit down and write the book, <laughs> which was sounded way more romantic before I actually did it um, because it was a multi-year process. It's a 417 page book only because I go through 12 signs for all the planets and it makes the book bigger than it would be otherwise. So, you know, it's hard of it is actually really concise and to the point. But it's a it's a the most amazing thing I've ever had the privilege to do. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. I couldn't be more excited about putting this body of work into the world because there's literally nothing else like it. And the feedback I'm getting from early readers is like, whoa, this is a treasure trove. There's nothing else out there like this. I've never seen a book like this before because of the way that I blend positive psychology, integrative medicine with astrology in a way that's specifically mine. 
And that took some time to really flesh out. So yeah, it's a book essentially on resilience and how to leverage chaos on behalf of your becoming. And I didn't know exactly, you know, what the times would bring that I'd be launching this book into, but I was aware <laughs> enough to say when my old, when the initial publisher wanted like a softer or a lighter book, I was like, I don't think anyone's going to care. My agent's like, maybe we should look at sun signs or smoothies. I was like, I don't think anyone's going to care about a sun sign and smoothie combination in 2020 or 2021, you know, because books are there, you know, you write them so far out in advance of them their anticipated birth. And she was just like, really, where are we heading? I'm like, the only word that's going to matter is resilience. Yeah. She's like, like, okay, but you know, like whatever. So this book's basically a book written for the times. It's a book on resilience. It's a book on grit seen through your personal astrology. So it's told in four parts. The first part introduces cosmic health, what it is, what I mean by it, how astrology and health are combined. It gives you the nuts and bolts of the zodiac and the zodiacal rhythms and the body and and the corollaries between astrology and health, as well as the positive psychology, the integrative medicine, the biorhythms that I speak of. And like, I sum it all up. That's section one. Section two is a look at cyclical living. So it's learning how to live cyclically with the sun and the moon. So the lunar phases, the lunar signs, um, as well as the sun cycles through the zodiac. Section three of the book is just getting to the heart of sun, moon, and rising through the lens of cosmic health, which I take liberty with, right? Like I don't tell it exactly. I I put it through the lens of positive psychology and integrative wellness. Again, never done before. And then the rest of the book's a ripper. Section four is my favorite. And it just goes through all the planets. And then the the positive psychology, integrative wellness, evidence-based science I love correlated with the planet and the archetype of the planet with, of course, all 12 signs descriptions for every everyone with the exception of Neptune and Pluto because their cycles are so erratic and long. But Chiron's in there. So I tell the story of Chiron, which is a really important Chiron. It's a really important story for everyone who's healing. And yeah. So when you say the signs, are you referring to the one that we were born under? Oh, that's a good question. So yeah. So we have all the signs in our chart in some way, shape or form. And we have the luminaries, the sun and the moon, and they're often in different signs. So I tell the story of the sun through all 12 signs, the moon through all 12 signs, the rising sign through all 12 signs, Mercury through all 12 signs, Mars through all 12 signs, Saturn or Jupiter, Saturn, Chiron through all 12 signs, Uranus through all 12 signs, and then Neptune and Pluto. I don't tell through all 12 signs because it's not relevant for, for reasons I won't get into now, but yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and sorry, who is Chiron or what are you referring to when you say Chiron? So Chiron's a centaur. He's a like asteroid comet hybrid who lives between Saturn and Uranus, who became known in like the 70s. And Chiron's the wounded healer. He's got a great story mythologically. I won't give it away. It's in the book, um, but he's really important. He's going to be very important in 2021 as well oh, around yeah. really coming into the wound to heal. All right. It's all very fascinating. I ha- I'm so excited to read it. I love that there's so much science-based stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a, it was an intense book to write. I'll leave it there. But it reads really easy. And awesome. that was, I think, the hardest part is to take all the complexities that I wanted to bring in the book and have it read super simply. Awesome. I can't wait to see it. And I can't wait to hold it in my hands. <laughs> Yay. Well, thank you, Jen, for being on the podcast. You want to tell everybody where they can purchase your book and where they can find more information about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the book can be purchased in anywhere you purchase books, your local independent store via IndieBound, Amazon, Target, 
Barnes and Nobles. Um, it's available overseas in the UK, Spain, Poland, any Spanish speaking country, including I believe Central South America, certainly Mexico, as well as New Zealand and Australia. The book itself is at cosmichealthbook.com if you want to learn more about it, cosmichealthbook.com. Great. Thank you, Jen. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. (laughs) All right. I don't want you to miss out. So here it is. I have a training starting January 4th on Mondays for six weeks for only $200. This is an incredible deal. Spirit has actually made me offer this. So that is why I'm here telling you about it. The program is called Align and it is going to kick you in the pants. You're going to release those limiting beliefs, conquer those fears, and I am going to help you do it. You're going to be able to ask questions because this is going to be live. Each class is going to have a healing in it for you. For more information, go to my website, Stark Transformation, and click the Energy and Mindset tab at the top. I hope to see you January 4th at my Energy and Mindset training called Align. Make 2021 your year. All content provided by Amy Stark and her her guests on the Ophelia Podcast website or other platforms, including text, images, audio, or other formats, were created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Amy Stark is not a doctor or a therapist.